0: to support this podcast go to positive slash donate any amount is appreciated once again positive sarcasm.com slash donate thank you and enjoy the program almost like it never existed but it fucking did so do me a favor go yourself sarcasm.com slash donate any amounts appreciated the weeble app is available in the affiliate link Uh, the affiliate link is available in the description down below go ahead and check that out strongly 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 recommend it there's no excuses now with cash management none deposit money you can start earning interest with cash management you'll get free stocks of course when you put a little bit of money just into your uh, account don't have to invest in anything bang done you win and then I'll get a little – I'll get a few, some free stocks too, which will help keep my party train going. Also, there's some merch on the uh, the Positive Sarcasm page. If you want to get yourself like a coffee mug or a travel mug or a T-shirt or some flip-flops, that's available too. So go ahead and check that out. And, of course, positive slash donate. Just the straight up. Here you go. Thanks for being you, you jerk. Uh, okay. What else we got going on? Fucking soaking wet. Um, took Chase for a little stroll. And I was like – you know it was raining but it was not anything destructive I'm like oh i'm gonna go down to a, walk down to a roma joe's get myself one of them little baja blast uh you know energy thingies and then it just the water just fucking fell out of the sky it's just like god squirted and i was just like okay fuck it we're not doing anything we're just gonna walk back to the the, the studio here and we're just done we're, we're done for today um so yeah that's pretty much that thank god the car is covered because it is just it's just shit just absolute shit this has been the worst fucking convertible weather june was a shit month for weather weather. at least up here in the northeast Hmm. did catch a movie or at least what claimed to be a movie this weekend kind of did me sort of a kind of sort of favor so um directed by james mangold i'm going to slaughter this movie right off the beginning i'm going to spoil the shit out of it i'm going to tell you what happened in great detail what i liked what i didn't like and how this movie actually shouldn't have even existed and what how harrison's ford's character was essentially pointless like this movie shouldn't have happened the plot it didn't even need to happen so Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny the fifth installment of the uh, Indiana Jones franchise estimated budget of around 295 million dollars 295 million dollar budget it is the most expensive film in the franchise and one of the most expensive films ever made Uh, set to be Harrison Ford's final outing as the adventurer following along blah 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 okay so what do we got for a plot see here the short plot is indiana jones and the dial of destiny uh he races against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history so you have indiana jones which is of course harrison ford you've got uh, let me open up the actual imdb so let me go here to let's go to imdb.com i have the box office mojo uh stuff like that you know what sucks is in box office mojo doesn't even show the budget anymore Ever since it's been taken over by IMDB, it doesn't even show the budget anymore. Um, it claims to make it claims that it made a lot of money. Or it is making a lot of money. Let's see, blah, blah blah where's the full They usually do like a little up top and then they give you the full nut at the bottom. Swashbuckling series of films. Finding himself in a new era, 1969, approaching retirement, Indy wrestles with, with fitting into a world that seems to outgrown him. But as the tentacles of an all too familiar evil return in the form of an old rival, Indy must don his hat and pick up his whip once more to make sure an ancient, powerful artifact doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Uh, Which happened in the first installment, which happened in the second installment, and which happened in the third installment. And of course, what happened in the fourth installment. Every time he's running around. Looking for an artifact that he must protect from the bad people who just so happened to be Nazis in one shape or another. Or actually always happened to be Nazis. <laughs> now don't get me wrong. Nazis were obsessed with history. Nazis were obsessed with artifacts. Nazis Nazis were except uh, ec- obsessed with total, unrelinquishable power. But Here's the thing. For the first three movies, it worked. Actually, in the second movie, there was... Was there any Nazis? No, there was no Nazis. It was just some crazy dude out in the fucking, uh, in the middle of uh, Indonesia, or whatever, who was ripping people's hearts out and then bur- making them burst into flames and then throwing them in a pit of, of lava. But it was cool. Temple of Doom, I loved. The woman was annoying as fuck. Actually, the little kid was too. Um, great movie, nonetheless, though. I loved, I loved the first one. I loved the second one, and I loved the third one with Sean Connery. And they were always, they were, they were funny. They were, uh, they kept you entertained. There's deep mythological history, deep act, some a lot of actual history involved. It's just, I don't know, it was just, it was a really cool franchise. Obviously, the late 90, uh, late 90s syndrome kicked in with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and that movie was essentially terrible. It had something to do with aliens and blah blah blah, and it's like, all right, whatever. So we forgot about it. Um this one, ugh, fuck me. So the first 20 minutes, obviously they blew their load on the uh, the budget wise on the entire first 20 minutes. Mad Michelkelson, a CGI Young, uh, Harrison Ford. and So it takes place obviously towards the end of the world,, uh, the end of World War ii The Germans are getting their ass kicked. The British and the Americans have uh, breached the front lines and they are trying to figure out a way to, some of the people are trying to figure out a way to escape the situation. Uh, The Nazis were. They're on a train, there's a a struggle to achieve a certain artifact, and essentially what happens is Indiana Jones, well, prevails. A bunch of people fall, artifact goes missing, there you have it. This artifact turns to be half of an artifact. Built by Archimedes a long time ago, and histi- about 2,000 years ago, when uh, there was a war between the Roman Empire and well, essentially this item, the Dial of Destiny, is two pieces of this mathematical, you know, uh, freaking Patek Philippe-looking fucking watch, and you put the and you put this dial together, and it allows you to utilize uh, ripples in time or fissures in time and allow you to access them so you can go if you do your mathematics correctly um, with a margin of error that happens to take place because Archimedes didn't understand continental drift and other things apparently um, you can access other parts in time so this item Harrison Ford's character obviously he's in it he's he's another guy who is who is a machismo uh a macho dude from the early 1980s character the early 90s character and now all of a sudden he's in a place where he's not really accepted he's seen as boring fragile um irrelevant and phoebe waller bridge who plays helena shows up a character who has no redeemable qualities none whatsoever no redeemable qualities like she her, her her role in this movie is to play a heartless bitch a heartless bitch who's out for a cash grab and all she does is get indiana jones into another pointless adventure where his actual involvement in the film is irrelevant it wouldn't have made a damn bit of difference. And not only that, she is 100% responsible for getting Harrison Ford's friend killed. So Antonio Banderas, who hap- just randomly shows up in the movie, oh, it's like, oh, I know a guy with a boat. Okay, cool. Now we've got to go chase this artifact that was stolen by the freaking Third Reich here. What was left of them, at least. Now they're going to go chase him all the way, halfway across the world uh, to some sunken boat out in the Mediterranean. The Nachi show up again, shoot Antonio Banderas and kill him. Great. That's fantastic. He randomly shows up. It's like like I know a guy who can help us get this thing and now he's no longer relevant. You didn't have to shoot him. You didn't have to make Harrison Ford's life any harder than it already is. Excuse me, Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford's life is not that hard. I mean, he banged Carrie Fisher. So, um, in Mads Mickelson character, so Mads Mickelson's character shoots Antonio Banderas. If I'm, if there's a reason I'm jumping all over the place it's because and making no sense it's because that's what the movie is it's a movie that makes no sense and it's two and a half hours long so a series of unfortunate events shows up for Indiana Jones he's retiring he just wants to drink his his wife Karen Allen left him Uh, her name was Marion in the movie she was great in the first installment she was really cool and she was kind of cute so she leaves him He's a drinker. He's retired. He's boring. He's just a grumpy old man. Phoebe Waller-Bridge's uh, Waller character shows up and says, "Hey, we got to go find this thing. Do you know where it is?" She knows that he has it. She steals it from him. Um, he gets shot at, which is always convenient. And then they go on this random. They somehow go up on this random adventure together with uh, who's that fucking little kid that was in the movie? Chase Brown? No, that's not him. Oh, here he is. Ethan Isidore. Teddy, who apparently knows how to fly a plane, even though never flown a plane before in his life. So, they go on this adventure. Jonathan Rhys-Davis' character shows up for a hot minute um, to kind of bring back some of the nostalgia. So, they bring back a couple casts of uh, of old characters... For no reason whatsoever, because the new people, the new people who are the new generation who's watching this movie, don't know who Jonathan Rhys davis character is, don't know who Ronaldo's character is. I don't even remember who Ronaldo's character was. I know who Karen Allen is, and she's in the movie for about two minutes. Two minutes. Um, so there's no point in bringing back these characters. So in the meantime, you know, some ridiculous high-speed chase takes place. Uh, even though it involves a tuk tuk. So I'm going to let me look up the speed of a tuk tuk. So a tuk, it's TUK, TUK. It's a three wheeled transportation vehicle. Tuk tuk, uh, top speed. I'll be surprised at these things. Um, on May 13, 2000, uh, 2019, two cousins broke the Guinness World Record for the highest speed reaches on a tuk-tuk at Elvington Airfield. They achieved a speed of 119 kilometers per hour, which was supported by a 1,300cc fuel-injected Daihatsu power plant. Uh, self-described petrolhead set a target for 110 miles per hour. A Thai t- uh, Thailand Thailand's uh, tuk-tuk sped its way into the records after achieving a braking speed of 74 miles per hour. So an average rickshaw tuk-tuk which is a broke, you know, pretty much a simple taxi. Let me see here. Um, what's our average speed? Huh. Uh, average. Maybe rage. <sighs> In Thailand, their max okay. And the top speed of a Baja, tile, a Bajaj, a Baja style tuk-tuk in the UK is about 40 miles per hour, but it feels much faster due to its size and weight. Um, okay, 20 depending upon the road, 25 kph, so 20 to 30 miles per hour. They make them seem like they can keep up with a 1960s BMW in this movie and the way they corner they make them corner like they can like they're mini coopers so obviously you've got this cgi uh scene with these two tuk-tuks and an old world bmw and they're keeping up with each other and these are beat up tuk-tuks these are not anything special so they have this awful scene um with these pile of shit taxis they go racing through the back streets of Tangier and then they somehow end up on a boat and it's like okay I don't know how we got here now I don't know why we're in this chase scene and now I don't know why we're in this uh, uh, town and now I don't want don't know why we're on this boat and I don't know why his his average it's it's so incomprehensible it's hard It, it hurts my brain to to think that this is an Indiana Jones movie And this, where I know we're on a writer strike now, but after watching this movie, I'm not sure we're willing to hire them back (laughs) because this was fucking garbage. So let me break down something here. This dial of destiny, if so, he doesn't want this dial to get into Mad Mickelson's character's hands, and this this person actually this this character by Mads Mikkelsen is a representation of the actual person who was hired by NASA named Werner von Braun who was a Nazi who helped design the rockets for NASA he was also a, a very third huge third Reich supporter who hung these slowest Jews at his factory and was ba- essentially purchased by the U.S. government doing Operation Paperclip to work for NASA to help them build rockets to get us to the moon. He's represented essentially by this character, Mads Mikkelsen's character, who is named Schmidt. Um, He wasn't named Werner Von Braun, but essentially the tie is there. So he goes and gets the Dial of Destiny, steals it from Harrison Ford, knows how how to basically get the coordinates and everything set up. He knows how to calculate this thing to create the fissures in time where he happens to have this old world airplane available with a a Saturn V1 rocket so he can blow up Hitler, take over um, control early on in the war and essentially win the war for the Third Reich, essentially changing the course of history. Instead, he fucks up the timeline because Archimedes didn't know anything about continental drift. So essentially, Mads Mikkelsen takes this thing Puts in the wrong coordinates. Puts in the wrong coordinates. Ends up not in World War II, but he ends up 2,000 years prior, during the Roman during a, a, a Roman battle, where Archimedes is essentially trying to escape the Romans, where Mads Mikkelsen's plane ends up getting shot down and destroyed. So he. Ends up stealing this item regardless. Flies back in time 2,000 years, crashes and dies. Without Indiana Jones's help, or with his help, if basically he's, if he went to Indiana Jones and said, hey, give me this half of the dial. And Indiana Jones said, sure, here, have fun. Indiana Jones' friend doesn't get shot. Indiana Jones himself doesn't get shot. He never has to deal with that stupid bitch who stole the thing from him to begin with. He never has to deal with any of this stuff. Indiana Jones goes, oh, here, you want this dial? Have fun. Oh, you want to know how it works? Uh, Here, do this. I want nothing to do with it. That's it. Don't fucking care. Want nothing to do with it. He takes the thing, goes back in time, crashes and dies. That's it. Nothing happens to Indiana Jones. He can continue to be an alcoholic, divorced, not caring about anything at all. Like, literally, the only good thing that happens to Indiana Jones at the end is that Karen Allen's character comes back, and they apparently go off on some crazy adventures. That's it. His son is still dead from enlisting in World War II. His, um... You know, he's still recovering from a gunshot wound. And there's... There's no satisfactory conclusion to this. It's like, his friend is dead... You know, the girl who freaking dragged him through two and a half hours of my money is still out there fucking things up for everybody. It just doesn't, it, it's its gobbledygook. It's like, you made apple pie, you were trying to make apple pie, but you ended up with this, you know, mush. This mushy thing that nobody wants to eat. So, I don't get it. Like, he would have, if you would have just given him the dial, he would have flown back in time and crashed and died. That's it that's all that would have happened never needed it this movie could have been over i'd say 30 minutes in 30 minutes in mads Mickelson character would have shown and be like do you know where this is yeah it's right here you want it here take it here's what the thing he says have fun that's it mad Mikkelsen goes off on a ba- essentially a suicide mission because he doesn't know that the dial, the, the calculations on this stupid art, uh, ancient clock is not going to put him back in like 1939. It's going to put him 2,000 years prior to that. He's going to crash into the Roman Empire, who just so happens have to have the ability to shoot spears at airplanes. So, what do we like? Who, who audited this script and said, "Yeah, it's a good idea." Well, no other than Kathleen Kennedy, the woman who ruined the Star Wars franchise. I just... They looked at the first three movies. They looked at Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and... um, What the fuck was that third one? Um, I can't remember. Holy shit, I love that one. Uh, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones. It was with Sean Connery, and I don't know why I all of a sudden can't remember. What the hell? Oh, there it is. Oh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. They were great. Those were great movies. They had a different feel to them. It didn't feel like, the, you know, you were trying to be, pl- you were being played. Like they were handing the reins off to somebody else. They, and they didn't even do that. Like this other person, this Phoebe Waller, whatever the hell her name is, Helena's character, was a, was useless. She just wanted the thing so she could sell it for cash because apparently she was like a gambling junkie or some shit. Her character was useless. And the meeting um so he does end up meeting Archimedes. So he meets Archimedes. Uh, Indiana Jones does this, as he travels through time, this cloud in the sky and Ends up, land, you know, jumping out of the plane with Helena, lands on on the uh, on the area where Archimedes just happens to be, and it was like it was fate; they were meant to meet. But it was so underwhelming. You're meeting Archimedes. It's like whoopty fucking do. At least that's how the movie portrayed meeting Archimedes. It just was like, oh yeah, you're meeting you. Take all the value away from all of Archimedes' work. Yeah, this a great philosopher, and he made this thing, and it makes you travel through time. And it's like, ooh, whoopdy fucking do? It's just like, this is like, this is one of my favorite franchises of all time. And this is what you do to it. You butcher the shit out of it. With a 200, I mean, if you're going to put $295 million into something, you think it make it more cohesive? You think you'd make it better than this podcast? You'd think, or you'd at least think, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't a good idea. Let's not do this at all. Obviously they handed James Mangold, who's a decent director. He did Logan, did a couple of movies. They handed him a shitload of cash and said, hey, make this movie. Here's a fucking huge amount of money to work with Harrison Ford. They gave a bunch of money to Antonio Banderas. They gave him a paycheck, so he showed up to the party. And here you are. $295 million later, Indiana Jones drops domestic release. Uh, its for opening weekend was $60 million. It's currently at $82 million domestically. $70 million internationally, so about $152 million worldwide. And it opened... This weekend it still has to make up to 295 million dollars and in order for it to do that with all the advertising and everything like that it's probably got to make about 400 to 500 million dollars for it to actually break even because you have your 295 million dollar production budget that's just your production budget you also have um, let's see it's projected okay just Indiana Jones? Yeah. Uh, it's projected to earn 140 million at the worldwide box office, including domestic opening weekend, projected 65 million. The movie's budget poses a challenge for it to mint a profit, and will need strong support from nostalgic fans to reach similar heights. So that's not good. So it needs to make, it needs to double what it made so far, which is let me go back to that, 152 million dollars. It needs to double that now there is obviously the opening you know there's the box office you know how much it makes in the movie theaters and then of course there is um what it will make if it goes to like netflix or amazon prime or actually excuse me disney plus that's where it's going so there is that to consider the let me take a look at something else here let me go to box office mojo so Right now, sitting on $150 million, it needs to double or triple that in order to actually mint any type of profit whatsoever. And they've essentially emptied the canister of ideas out. All of like the shitty ideas and any ideas they have left and any, I mean, anything. Like Indiana Jones. This is all you got. You've got nothing left. So out of that, you have, let's see, Indiana, Indiana Jones. And what was that other? What was the movie first before? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That one made 317 million dollars domestically, 473 million internationally. Worldwide, it made 790 million dollars. So that one did make a profit back in 2008. Probably had a couple hundred million dollar production budget. Oh yeah, here we go. 185 million dollar production budget. So this one is over that by over $100 million. had a much bigger opening weekend. So this uh, Crystal Skull made $100 million. So they were, it was all blind. Because an Indiana Jones movie hadn't come out in 1993, 2003. about 15 years, I'd say. About 10 to 15 years. Because Last Crusade came out in the early 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. So it's been a long time since anybody saw... Harrison Ford put that hat on. So, oh, so this was Indian Jones entangled in a Soviet plot to uncover a secret mysterious artifact known as the Crystal Skull. So that was the one without the Nazis in it. And apparently so was the Temple of Doom. So, there. There Apparently the Nazis were only in two movies. The last one and the first one. Um, oh, those darn Russians. So, it made money. It made $790 million. So it probably grossed a couple of hundred million dollars. There you go. Perfect. After you pay pretty much the cast, the characters, you know, the director, blah blah blah, and then of course the giant like advertising budget behind it. So that made a, that made a profit. Yay, great. This one not even close. This one had a that one had a domestic opening of 100 million. This last one had a, a opening of 60 million. And yeah, it's not going to make that. It's probably going to make I'd say 50% of that so let me see here 790 let me take that let me take that number grab the old calculator put that in there and let's just divide it by two 395 million dollars I projected to make about around 400 million dollars which essentially puts it either at even or at a significant loss. Because I think it's going to have a significant drop-off in the box office. Because people are all of a sudden going to have to start paying back student loans. So it just isn't it just isn't there. And on top of it, it's not a good movie. It isn't. It's a bad fucking movie. It's two and a half hours long. Okay? That's two hours and 29 minutes than most fucking videos on Instagram. Which means modern-day uh, audiences just don't have the attention span. So I've somehow woken up enough to tell you that this movie was fucking garbage. There was only one redeemable quality about this movie is that I was, playing at a, I was watching it at a drive-in and it was longer than the movie I was going to see at screen two, which means it ran over the opening to screen two, which was The Flash, which apparently is having even more problems than Indiana Jones and the pointless fucking uh, artifact that nobody cares about that he didn't need to be involved with that would have killed the main villain anyways. Um, directed by Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> so The Flash has got bigger problems. The Flash has a budget of 200, $220 million, but also has a major uh, advertising budget. So according to the two and a half x rule the flash would have to make about 550 million dollars worldwide to break even possibly more so 550 to 600 million dollars the flash would need in order to make basically a dollar's worth of profit the problem is that the flash opening weekend was 55 million dollars and that was june 16th so that was several weeks ago so far it's only made worldwide $250 $250 million. And it opened at 4,200 theaters, which is a pretty big opening. But there's a problem. According to um, some of the shit I've seen online, is that they're starting to... Let's see. The Flash's global box office finally passes its production budget, which doesn't mean anything because... How I many... Actually, what was the box office on it? 245 Yeah, because it still has to pass its advertising budget so this is about to be considered it's about to be a huge bomb because they're already pulling it from theaters let me just see Um, they're projecting according to multiple sources here that it's going to lose 200 million dollars now according to CBR in a profile, blah blah blah, roughly two. While the upcoming superhero blockbuster still boasts a larger budget than others, blah, blah blah. Okay. It's vastly lower than the rumored $300 million budget circulated last year. It's still, $220 million. So, yeah, they're already pu- they're already expected to pull this thing from theaters, and if it's sitting at. Uh, let's see. The Flash is currently sitting at $250 million, and it's already been out for a few weeks, and they're going to pull it from theaters. Um, let's see here. Opening... Was that opening weekend? Let me see here. Domestic weekends. Oh, shit. So opening weekend was the 16th, made $55 million. And then in its second weekend. Oh my god, did it really? Did it really no. According to this June 23rd through 25th, it made in its second weekend 15 million dollars. Generally movies like this have like a between a 35 and 50% drop-off in the second weekend out. This one had a 72% drop-off. And it's second week out. That's insane. That's like... That's fucking bad. That's a massive red flag. And the reviews for it were not all that great. Apparently, it's a jumbled pile of garbage. Which is... I mean, the DC Universe was starting to kinda, maybe, sorta get its shit together. I mean, with the Snyder Cut, but... Oh yeah, that's right. Wonder Woman 1984 was a pile of hot shit, so... Oh, sorry about that. Oops. Um. So the flash was apparently all messed up. Seventy-two percent. And where's the? Yeah, if they're gonna pull it from. Yeah, if they're gonna pull it from theaters now, then mostly pull it from theaters. It's gonna. It's gonna start to falter to about three hundred million dollars. That's gonna be. It's a. Wow. wow. That's a fucking amazing. It lost 72% of its initial opening. So, yeah, it's probably going to... After it's, all of its worldwide releases, which they're already pulling it from most theaters, it's going to probably simmer down once its worldwide uh, its worldwide release is done. It's probably going to sit around $300 million, which is more than its production budget, about $80 million more than its production budget, but you still have that huge advertising budget. So... They're up Shits Creek. Let me take a look. Let me go backward to domestic. Go back to Box Office Mojo. So latest weekend, Indiana Jones: and The Dial of Destiny, uh, sixty million. Spider-Man, eleven and a half. Elemental, eleven and a half. So it's not even in the top five. It's been out for a couple. It's been out for a few weeks, and it's number eight. It got beat by Spider-Man, so it got beat by two cartoons, Spider-Man and Elemental, a movie called No Hard Feelings, Transformers Rise of the Beast, which is at $136 million, which is probably also going to flop, uh, Teenage Kraken, The Little Mermaid, <laughs> and then finally The Flash. This movie is going to absolutely fucking die. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I mean, look at that. So that made money. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 apparently made some money. So Marvel's still doing the damn thing. Like, despite all the stuff that's been going on, people are still invested in the Marvel Universe, to a degree. There are some movies that nobody gave a shit about, like Legend of the Five Rings and... Uh, what was that other one? Yeah, don't even remember. Um, $830 million worldwide. So that's still... They still, there's still some magic to some of the Marvel characters, but it takes, it takes a lot of money to make that, these movies. But it looks like the Flash is fucked. Oof. Nobody expected the audience to... Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm not even, I, if people are saying it's shit, I mean, so I didn't have to sit there and watch the Flash because Indiana Jones ran way too damn long which is i guess a plus for me i got at least i got a few hours of sleep tonight uh, last night so that was it it ran 20 so it was already 20 minutes in i essentially just you know said fuck it uh it's not worth i'm not gonna miss the first 20 minutes of a movie that might be very very pivotal and i'm, I'm glad I, I missed it and i just fucking said what well, screw it and went home because apparently this movie is just a pile of shit Even though, but yeah, I still had to suffer at the hands of one pile of shit. I thankfully didn't have to sit through two of them. That's fucking sad, though. Like they were, this was supposed to be like a big deal, like changing the course of history. They brought back Ben Affleck's character, which means they had to drop a ton of money on him. They had to uh, bring, they brought back Michael Keaton's character, which, uh, I mean that was supposed to be a huge deal as well. I don't I don't I don't understand what, what was going on in the writers room I don't I really don't um let's see the flash budget breakdown how much money will Warner Brothers Discovery lose after numerous delays controversy recasting recruiting, and more DC the studios the flash is finally making its way into theaters and is expected to rake in box office numbers almost as fast as Barry Allen can run Following the film's premiere in CinemaCon, things have gotten off to a pretty good start. as one being called DC's, EU's, Swan Song, even though we still have Aquaman and Lost Kingdom coming out later this year. Reviews for skewing positive, but generally fairly mixed, with the consensus being The Flash is fun, but lacks compelling time travel narrative. The early buzz seemed to get the ball rolling on some solid early projections, but those now seem to be debunked following a disappointing opening weekend and increasingly poor reviews. <laughs> um... It's releasing in the midst of a writer strike being talent. Okay. So who directed this pile of shit? Oh sorry, that's Indiana Jones The Flash. Let me go to box office mojo. Let me go to me Just see here. Flash. The Flash. I feel bad. I'm kind of thinking about it. I really feel bad for Michael Keaton's character. Like, he's the fucking Batman. And you brought him back, and you still couldn't get people to show up to the party? Um, director Andy Muschietti. So, I don't know what he did, but whatever. Who who produced this thing? Was it James Gunn? Hmm. I don't know. I just, I'm kind of just bummed out. Like that, that, that could have been. That should have been a really, a really big deal. Like this movie should have been a really big deal, blockbuster, this, that, and the other thing. But I guess, I guess people just don't seem to care anymore. And we're never really that invested in the Justice League to begin with. I, that was kind of like a given from the beginning. Like, Man of Steel was incredible absolutely incredible it's just it was there was so much investment in the main character and so much investment into the villain and i mean there was a ton of emotion in that movie and there was so much controversy about ben affleck's character in general in uh batman versus superman and then there was the debacle which was the justice league uh the original cut, which was just fucking god-awful. I talked about that several years ago, but I don't want to rehash that. It didn't have a strong foundation. This DC universe did not have a strong foundation. And they decided to build this several billion dollar house on top of this shitty foundation. And it clearly is starting to... It's clearly crumbling. Clearly crumbling. Whereas the DC... Or excuse me, the Marvel universe at least had the foundation of iron man and captain america and thor and then only then were they able to put together uh the avengers and the buildup of that and they really did there was a lot of work that went into those movies and it, it spanned over decades putting the shit together and casting the right people and they're are even starting to take liberties with that, and it has shown in some box office performances. Um, it's just it sucks. I mean, I'm not gonna put anything on Barry Al- Barry Allen, or excuse me, Ezra Miller. The character. I know he's got some personal problems and whatever, and apparently he's maybe sort of possibly a dickhead off screen. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to go that route. I'm not talking about. The, the, the actual people in real life. We're just going to stick to the movie here. And apparently the, this major uh, collaboration of Michael Keaton bringing back an iconic Batman, then putting another Batman from another franchise together, and then doing the whole time dilation thing, and then bringing in Michael Shannon's character, which is a big deal in Man of Steel. And then the whole controversy with Henry Cavill not coming back as uh coming back as Superman and you're just putting you're throwing all this together to make this like catchatory that's that's essentially flavorless and messy and it just doesn't work now my opinion obviously doesn't account for as much because apparently I haven't seen the movie but I don't need to the volume of money uh going in to this speaks for itself it isn't there so when you go from a $55, uh, $55 million opening weekend, which isn't great, to 15, and then two and a half weeks later, five, that says a lot. That says a lot for the pile of shit you created. Um, and I think the the drinker um, on uh, YouTube, what the hell is his name there? He's a fucking Scottish dude he said it perfect he said it perfectly um that these aren't creators they're just destroyers and all they're doing is destroying franchises that they never really did get a well they didn't do a good job of creating the justice league verse any uh universe anyways but the indiana jones universe had a strong foundation you had three excellent movies with way lower production budgets and some significant unknowns as cast and characters and they took that and they just destroyed it with that early 2000s pile of shit that Shia LaBeouf detests, rightfully so, and they followed it up with something even more pointless and way too long and and essentially Indiana Jones didn't need to be there. So they should have, at the end of the day, maybe not, the Flash they probably could have fixed and made better And more grandiose but apparently people just were not interested nobody was interested in the flash because he was made to seem like the weakest character and even though he's not he's super super fast and he can apparently turn back time he can't turn back time and fix this movie though unfortunately and you now have two franchises essentially one over one the nail in the coffin is there indiana jones is done this other chick that was in the movie, she's not. There's not going to be, you know, this Star Wars rise of the female lead. That's no. Indiana Jones is over. You're not going to see another one. There's no interest there. There's no more money there. The the, the production companies are not going to go out of their way to do any woke versions of this shit. It isn't there. It's not available. Nobody cares. You're going to lose money on this. And the Flash, that franchise is now dead. The franchise that never was. This pile of fucking garbage that was the Justice League with a few redeemable ones, such as the original Wonder Woman, the Man of Steel, and then the Snyder Cut is about all you have for good. And you know what? I'll give some credit to the first Aquaman. That was actually pretty good, too. So they had some decent movies, like even Batman vs. Superman. Not that bad. Not that bad at all. But at the end of the day, they're still trying to follow in... They're still trying to follow in Marvel's footsteps, and they can't. And I think people just at this point are just exhausted. Like I'm exhausted just trying to talk right now. They're just exhausted from trying to watch these, fuck, trying to follow these things when there's just there's better cinema um, at home. They're just gonna wait for it to hit, you know, hit Netflix or hit Disney Plus if they can afford to now, or Amazon Prime if they can afford to now. Because maybe they can't. Maybe people are just cutting the cord altogether and saying, Fuck it, I'm done with it." It's just not—it's—it's not, it's not fun. It's depressing. This podcast is depressing because I'm depressed that the fact that they ruined a perfectly good franchise and they really could have resurrected a good one with the other one, and they didn't. They killed off one and they blew up another. Maybe, okay. So if you take a look at it, 220 million and 295 million, and then you take the production budgets of both, which was probably around 200 million a piece. So let's just say a billion dollars. A billion dollars in production and advertising if you would have taken let's see here let's diversify a little bit if you take a billion dollars let's just take how many numbers is that okay one zero zero hundred thousand ten thousand hundred thousand million ten million hundred million billion and you divide that by 30 okay so you could have made 30 million, you could have made 30 different movies. At 33 million dollars a piece. So you could have you could have basically you had two movies. Two movies that are going to be box office bombs and you have the potential with 30 movies at 33 million dollar production budgets. And you probably would have got some bangers out of it. I mean, how much was taken? Taken was not. Taken was not expensive. Not at all. But if you would have given some. That's the problem with the the death of the mid-range movie, the smaller production budgets, not like the ones that were made with like a few hundred grand on, you know, that are simply made with like GoPros and iPhones. We're talking about those movies that you take 30 million, you throw a product of production budget, it's a really smart, well-done money uh, movie with an up-and-coming director, an up-and-coming producer, up-and-coming actors, and a few other things here and there, and then you end up with this movie that makes 100, 120 million, 150 million in, in in you know, worldwide gross or more than that. It makes like almost 90 million in the domestic box office and it makes like 100 million dollars worldwide. You end up with a solid grossing movie. Well, now times that by, you know, 20. You've got something going. Now you've made some quality flicks and now you start gaining the trust of the audience again by producing lower budget movies that have real quality and actually reach the person, the viewer watching it but instead you make two huge fucking movies that nobody likes, that you had to pull from cinemas early, and it's just gonna get, its just gonna at the end of the day, it's just gonna get washed out by Barbie, which could also fall apart. But maybe it is gonna be good. I hope it is good, but I'm not gonna watch it. I'm not interested. I'm gonna go see Oppenheimer, because Christopher Nolan has built up enough of a reputation with the audience for me to give him a shot. Because for me, he did the Dark Knight trilogy. He obviously failed with um, the Dark Knight Rises. He didn't cut. He didn't. It didn't work for me. Dunkirk did not work for me. Tenet did not work for me. I'm sorry. However, the guy did a good job with Insomniac. He did a good job with the first two Dark Knight movies. I loved Batman Begins. He did a great job with Interstellar. I really enjoyed Interstellar. So he has enough street cred. Christopher Nolan has plenty of street cred with me for me to trust him in directing movies and creating scenes where I really like, okay, he deserves my money because I think he's going to get this one right. And you know what? As a real director, with me as a fan of him, sometimes he fails, but he tries and there's no agenda there. He's basically like, I'm going to try to make a movie that is the movie I want to make. Nobody else's. Like, I'm going to, like, make the movie I want to make. I'm going to put a lot into it, and I'm going to try to get the audience to really, like, appreciate my angle on this. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But I trust him as a director to at least try to make a movie that I can think about and talk about and just, you know, be like, yeah, I like that. Like, Interstellar, I loved it. The ending was kind of weird. I argued about the ending with a buddy of mine. But at the end of the day, I kind of get it. I kind of understand it. It kind of, you know, takes a knee and runs out the clock a little bit. But I do like that movie an awful lot. Because it really tries something that's never been done before. Um, And you know what? It made its money back on, like, these two movies. So, it's just every once in a while I dip my toe into the cinematic universe to see if there's still any life left and you know sometimes I'm really really disappointed you know what's funny is the last movie I saw that I actually did enjoy was Extraction 2 with Chris Hemsworth that was a fucking barrel of insanity but that was an action movie like it was a legit action movie with legit action consequences and I actually really enjoyed that movie that was good but i didn't go into the movies to see that that was just like that was like an, an, an amazon exclusive or something like that so but i will be going to see oppenheimer in late july and I've, i i'm mean, my curiosity is like should i go see that in theaters or should i do the drive-in route because the drive-in route is a lot of fun it's it's a nice thing i did check i did try out my new stereo system in my car uh, this weekend though and it does work quite great for for movies so i'm gonna give that a whirl um that's a cool way to like go and see movies now. And I thought I was talking with some this about somebody with somebody about um, why didn't more drive-ins make a comeback during the pandemic? You know, why didn't a few more open up in the area? And that's uh, it's a good it's a good um, it's a good question. You know, I think a few more would have really uh, strived to do. You know, they would there would have been some plans to get some cheap acreage and an, an FM frequency to allow that to happen. You know, you don't have to have like a huge building or anything like that. You just... People come in with their cars. They use their stereo systems. You just gotta... You know, you gotta have a little concession stand and a couple... And, and a decent amount of acreage. It depends on where you put it, but I think it could have been pulled off. I think it would have been a good idea. You know? But I, I don't know. It's just i don't know what to tell you except for don't see indiana jones in the dial of destiny because there was no point in indiana jones even being in the movie and the flash you won't be able to see this movie because they're pulling it already from movie theaters (laughs) so in the meantime you can find me on instagram at positive underscore sarcasm email me directly through my website questions concerns comments uh use the weeble app and the affiliate link in the description down below really really appreciate it you'll actually believe me you'll you'll be thanking yourself uh after using it Thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. You can find me on Rumble for the video exclusively at Positive Sarcasm and anywhere where podcasts are available except for Stitcher. I just got received word that Stitcher apparently is ceasing all production. So Stitcher is no longer a place where you can download podcasts for anyone. So check your other listings, whether it's Podcast Addicts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, Apple Podcasts. Substack, which i'm also on so there's a lot of other platforms for you to get the audio version of this of this podcast uh, but in the meantime thank you for listening watching and subscribing and i'll talk to you all next week recorded here from the spare parts studio this has been a positive sarcasm presentation